informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture, coming to you today from Batavia, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, working with my good friend Max Armstrong on This Week in Agribusiness, this weekend's uh, TV show. Hope you can catch us if you get a chance uh, in your area for This Week in Agribusiness. Max and I will be on the road quite a bit this uh, week. We'll be from here. We're headed to uh, Kansas City. We'll be there for the uh, Agri-Marketing Association meeting, and I'll be broadcasting from there on Thursday of this week. But in the meantime, of course, lots in the news. Trade tensions with China ease as China's president promises to cut auto import tariffs. Another White House meeting on the RFS ends with an agreement to have more talks. The Justice Department has decided to approve Bayer's acquisition of Monsanto, and weather concerns continue across the U.S. In fact, that's where we're going to start today's show. Joining us now, you see him on RFD-TV, John Jenkinson. John also farms in western Kansas. John, thanks for being with us here on Adams on Agriculture. Mike, it's a real pleasure to be on the program, and congratulations on its success. Thank you so much. Okay, I mentioned that uh, you farm out there uh, in wheat country where it's uh, it's tough weather-wise right now and uh, a challenge for that wheat crop. Give us an update. Well, Mike, uh, here over the last weekend, uh, with that challenge just kind of increased a little bit. We all woke up Saturday morning to 17 degrees. And uh, that was, uh, you know, on top of uh, some very, very dry weather. And so it added a little bit of insult to injury. Um, It did happen to snow overnight, Saturday night into Sunday, but it was just a a very light dusting of snow. Now, the Don City National Weather Service did report about 20 hundredths of precipitation. And that was the first precipitation that we have had since October. So it, uh, it's been terribly dry. I did notice this last time uh, when I uh, went to look at some of the wheat fields and two of the wheat fields in far western Kansas there in the, in the southwest corner. Uh, many of those fields no longer looked that deep, lush green. They had that, that pale green look to them. Uh, and that basically indicated last week's 80-degree temperatures with wind up over 60 and 70 miles per hour. So uh, it has been a real tough, uh, real tough go. And I noticed this morning on the National Ag Statistics report uh, uh, that was out that uh, now we've got wheat ratings nationally uh, that are probably the second lowest in history. Yeah, you you mentioned the cold and a little bit of snow, but you've had hot and windy conditions and, of course, very dry. Will this uh, wheat crop pull out of it? Wheat's tough, but is it that tough? Well, that's still the question. I was at a farm show last week and asked that same question to many producers uh, in that area, and they were saying the same thing. You know, you have to you have to kill wheat about six or seven, sometimes nine times before it ever makes a crop. Uh, we've certainly uh, we, this this wheat crop certainly has had its challenges. Now, I will say from about uh, the middle of Kansas east, there has been some precipitation. That crop seems to be holding on. And in the west, when we dug down last week and started looking at some of the root systems, there still is quite a bit of, of long, deep tap roots that are going down and finding some minimal moisture in the subsoil levels. But that's quite a ways down. The brace roots just have not really set very well. Uh, there still is hope if we would start to get some decent, uh, uh, significant precipitation. And when I say that, 
uh, anywhere from you know uh, half inch to maybe three quarters of an inch here over the next week to two weeks, uh, we could certainly still pull out a crop. Now it wouldn't be a, a bin buster by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it would still yield something uh, to be able to recover some of the costs. But that that's been interesting because a lot of producers just have not put much input costs into this crop. Uh, because it does look so dire at this point. What's your forecast look like? <laughs> well, the, unfortunately, uh, there are small chances of rain, but the uh, the vast majority of it is hot and dry. In fact, this week, uh, wind up over 30, 40 miles per hour out of the southwest, and temperatures in the 70s today, 80s tomorrow, 90s uh, toward the end of the week there on Thursday. And then another round of possible below freezing temperatures by the weekend with no cover on this wheat. And that's, that's one of the big detriments to this, this wheat crop, Mike, is the fact that not only is it, is it ill from the drought, uh, but then uh, you add insult to the injury on top of it with some freezing temperatures and these wild temperature swings. It makes it difficult. Weather challenges for western Kansas are nothing new, but this year seems uh, to be a little more on the extreme side than even you're used to. Yeah, it does. Uh, we've we've seen some dry conditions before, but, and this is the tale of two different crops. You know, uh, uh, back when this crop was this wheat crop was going in the ground back in the first part of September, um, a very small percentage of it, maybe less than five percent, went in, and then it started raining, and it got pretty wet for about a month, and so many producers had to wait and hold off until that ground was dry enough. They put the wheat in the ground uh, shortly after that, which was about three to four weeks late in some areas. Uh, we just didn't get much growth on it, and that's when it turned dry. And so uh, this this year has really been a challenge. I, it has been interesting to see that uh, many farmers, uh, and, and uh, not just wheat producers, but uh, many row crop farmers, corn, soybeans, grain sorghum, alfalfa, uh, even cotton, they have been pre-watering, pre-irrigating some of their ground since about February, so uh, it's it's going to be an expensive year for irrigators. I was going to ask you about the row crop farmers. Uh, what steps are they taking? What's their mood and attitude going into the their uh, cropping season? Well, because of the dry weather that we had all winter long, much of the fall field work was done uh, in pretty timely fashion, and a lot of producers were were just sitting back and waiting. Because we didn't get any moisture over the winter, they did start irrigating about a month and a half ago, uh, pre-irrigating, trying to get some of this moisture back in the ground here so that they would be ready to plant. Now it's just a kind of a wait-and-see-what-the-weather's-going-to-do attitude. Yes, we're having warm temperatures. The soil temperature is starting to come up where traditionally about this time of year we'd start seeing some corn put in the ground, particularly in the southern tier of counties of Kansas. But with these temperatures, you know, dipping down into the teens uh, from time to time and another round of very cold temperatures forecast for the Saturday, a lot of producers say, you know, I'm going to wait and hold off here just a little bit to see and, and maybe get away from some of these uh, some of these fronts that come through that could uh, really uh, hurt corn if it was in the ground or after it emerged. And then you throw in the trade worries and concerns. Uh, these are anxious times. They are. There's a lot of uncertainty, and when I talk to producers uh, here over the last month or so, some of the optimism that they had three or four months ago is starting to wane a little bit. This, uh, the, the commodity prices uh, that have come back a little bit 
gave little glimmers of hope. But with the dry weather and all of the talk about trade, uh, that's that's got a lot of producers in our area uh, just a little bit on the cautious side in visiting with many agribusinesses, uh, inputs, uh, you know, fertilizer dealers, um, uh, seed dealers, uh, those, those kind of companies. Uh, they've seen a real pullback in farmer spending. And a lot of the producers themselves have just said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to trade up this year in equipment. I'm not going to buy any new equipment right now. I'm just going to get by with what I can this year. John, we'll let you get back to TV. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule for an update for us. Thank you very much. Mike, always a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. John Jenkinson with RFD TV and also a farmer in western Kansas. Up next, Monty Shaw, executive director of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association, the latest on the RFS, next on Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at fastline.com. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. 
AutoFinancing.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Well, yet another meeting yesterday at the White House on the uh, renewable fuel standard. At least it gave renewable fuels supporters a chance to express and vent their feelings about what EPA is doing, undermining the RFS, granting all these uh, waivers uh, to uh, refineries. Also gave a chance for supporters in the Senate to speak out uh, against that policy and let the White House know what's going on and their objections to it. And I guess it's led to more talks coming up. We're going to talk about it today with Monty Shaw, Executive Director of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. Monty, thanks for joining us. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Okay, well, we have lots of meetings going on. Do you think the White House is getting the message that, uh, uh, you know, what the uh, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt is doing with these waivers goes against uh, how the statute is written? Well, I, I certainly hope so. So the, the meeting yesterday, as I understand it, I mean, we weren't there, obviously, but it was uh, Administrator Pruitt from the EPA and Secretary of Agriculture Purdue and the President, and I'm sure there were some staff there as well. Um, so, you know, we don't know exactly what happened in the meeting. Uh, we, we were told that uh, the EPA was going to put some options in front of the President on the RFS. Uh, those options were not made public. I've, I've heard from some people out in D.C. what they think was on the piece of paper, and none of the options were options I would support. Um, so I guess the good news coming out of yesterday is that they decided, the president decided not to decide, which means at least he didn't take one of the, uh, the bad options for us. But we actually do need the president to take some action. So just the fact that they've talked about, hey, let's maybe revisit this in three months, that's not necessarily good news either. Yeah, because if the administrator is going to continue to grant these waivers, then damage is still being done. So uh, no action by the White House. Some are looking at it as kind of good news, but, but on the other side, it's not good news if he doesn't stop him from doing it. That, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're obviously happy that he did not choose one of the bad options that Pruitt put before him that would do more damage to the renewable fuel standard. But if we just have the status quo, what is that? That is Scott Pruitt handing out um, small refinery exemptions to the RFS, as the oil industry even said, like trick-or-treat candy. They're just handing them out crazy. And it also means the status quo means no year-round sales of E15. And come June 1, all of our E15 retailers in in uh, two-thirds of the country, the conventional gasoline markets, will have to you know slap that FFV-only sticker on them and watch their sales plummet. So we need the president to take action. We just need it to be the right action to uphold his campaign promises. Well, we keep hearing that they're looking for a win-win, but if you look at the the wins the uh, oil industry has already received just recently from administrative actions, whether it's through the EPA or whatever it may be, uh, I I would say they're way ahead on the wins uh, compared to what uh, we're seeing for the renewable fuels industry. Oh, and especially even if you go beyond the RFS, I mean, the, the petroleum ministry has gotten, I mean, everything on its wish list that you could possibly imagine from this administration. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but for them to then come back and say, hey, let's destroy the renewable fuels industry as well, strikes me as being a little bit greedy. And, um, 
and um, sorry about that. Um, we we uh, we don't need more demand destruction. They gave a sweetheart deal to that uh, politically connected Carlisle group who owned who owned that Pennsylvania refinery. Let them out of their rent rent requirements. Now we're learning that there's 25 and growing numbers of small refineries that that uh, they've let out of their rent requirements. That's probably over a billion gallons of demand destruction in the 2017 um, compliance year. I have no doubt that if if we you know do delay further action on this for months, like like some people talked about coming out of the meeting yesterday, that over those months, Mr. Pruitt will do what he's been doing, and that's grant more exemptions find more ways to undermine the RFS, and, and all of a sudden, instead of having 2017 basically be destroyed, we'll have 2018 and maybe even 2019 destroyed. So we're going to continue to push for fast action. Do we need to reform the RFS? No. It can be put, that can be pushed down the road indefinitely because it doesn't need to be done. But what does need to be done is the statute needs to be implemented properly and not, and not um, you know, have its heart torn out. Uh, through these exemptions, and number two, they quite frankly don't hold up to the, the Smith test. And then number two, we need to allow retailers to sell E15 year-round. It's the right thing to do, and it will also help uh, address the concerns that the retailers raise, excuse me, the refiners raise about uh, rent prices. Yeah, the solution to the RINs prices is right there. They just won't take it. We're talking with Monty Shaw, Executive Director of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. Uh Monty, if well, to your, to your mean, point there that it's there, they just won't take it. It's because that's not what their real concern is. You know, they've been hiding behind this message of, oh, these rent prices are too high. Oh, woe is us. That's never been what this is about. They don't care what the rent prices are. They care about giving a market share. You want to lower rent prices? Blend more biofuels. They refuse to blend more biofuels. They oppose letting us sell E15 year-round. The branded stations or the big guys won't let their retailers offer E15 at their stores, even if the local owner of that store wants to, because they're branded by the big oil company. And this is all about trying to lock us into a small market as possible and preserve their near monopoly over supply, they, or, or fuel supply. They do not. This isn't about rent prices. This is about market share. They've, they've had a, a near monopoly for 100 years, and they don't like the fact that we've chipped in into it 10%, and they sure as heck don't want us to chip into it another 5%. And they're scared because ethanol is cheaper and cleaner, and, per, and and higher octane. I mean, it's higher performance. It's made in America, and it's cheaper. Uh, they do not want to have to compete with higher ethanol blends. Monty, have we seen any reasoning, justification, or attempts at justification or rationale by the EPA administrator on what he bases these exemptions, these waivers that he's given to refineries? What's he basing that on? It's, I mean, when it, it's supposed to be for hardships, right? And we, we see the profits of the, of, of the industry. Uh, it's supposed to be for small refineries. We, that doesn't seem, what's their qualification or, or determination of small? I mean, what are the rules they're going by here? We just don't seem to get that information. And, and they're not willing to share it. Um, part of the problem isn't just, I mean, obviously, ultimately the problem is that they're granting waivers that we don't think are justified by the letter or the spirit of the law. Um, but part of the problem is, and, and why they've made it hard to actually come after them on this, is because they're doing it all inside of a black box. They have not announced who has requested a waiver. They've not announced who's gotten a waiver. And all they say is, oh, we're, we're doing them on the same basis the same criteria that the previous administration did. Well, with, with all due respect, that's just bull feathers. Um, they, the last administration might have found, you know, 
two, three, four, maybe five actual small refiners that were actually having disproportionate hardships and granted them, and it was no big deal. All of a sudden, we're seeing 25-plus. You know, who, that's just how many the reporters found. I mean, how many more were granted? And, and you know, that's not obviously using the same criteria. Or, or certainly, you know, if you, you know, if you want to hide behind lawyer wiggle words, oh, it's the same criteria. Well, they're certainly viewing the criteria differently and using it differently because you can't go from what we had for 10 years under both Bush and Obama to what Pruitt's doing and say with a straight face, we're, we're, we're handling them exactly the same way. It's just, it's lying. I don't care what, I don't care if they want to say, oh, I technically am telling the truth. When you're misleading people where I come from, that's called lying. And, and we're fed up with it. To say, oh, we can't tell you this, it's confidential business information, is just, it's just crap, Mike. It's not confidential business information to say who has requested an exemption from a Clean Air Act requirement. And it's certainly not confidential business information to say who's actually been granted that exemption. Remember, when these firms, when these companies get these exemptions, they're allowed to dump any RINs they may have accumulated onto the marketplace. You want to talk about, if this was the stock market, I think that'd be called insider trading because they're the only person who knows that they're no longer obligated. So they get to go out and sell these RINs, and then when, when word does trickle out through the traders, that, oh, hey, somebody got let off and the, and the RIN market drops, they've already sold these, these RINs. So it empowers speculators. It empowers insider dealing. And it's unfair to to the to the whole purpose of this. Yeah, some of the largest refineries, uh, refining companies in the in the world have gotten these exemptions because they happen to have one refinery that falls under the threshold as a small refinery. The other thing I just like to say, if we have time, is the statute requires that the the refinery prove that it is facing not just economic hardship, which when ethanol is cheaper than gas, it's kind of hard to say that blending ethanol is an economic hardship. But putting that aside, it actually says you have to you have to have prove they have to prove the refinery has to prove that it's facing disproportionate economic hardship. Well, if you're granting them to basically everybody who's applying, how are they disproportionate from someone else? It reminds me of Garrison Keillor saying that all the kids at Lake Wobegon were above average. Um, you know, you have to be disproportionate from someone. Uh, but if everybody's getting waivers, it's awfully hard to see how they're. In, in um, applying the actual letter of the law. You know, Mr. Pruitt was, everyone said, oh, don't worry, he's Mr. Letter of the Law. It looks to me like he's Mr. Loophole of the Law. Bonnie, thanks for your perspective. I knew you'd have strong feelings on it. I appreciate you sharing them with us. Thank you. All right, anytime. Thank you. Take care. Take care, Monty. Monty Shaw, Executive Director of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. We're going to talk land values next on AOA. Stay with us. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing 
manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. I have a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows, and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to MyPillow.com and at checkout, use promo code FARM11. Time for Market Check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. On the daily export wire, private exporters reporting to USDA sales of 120,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to Argentina, 132,000 tons to China, another 279,000 tons of soybeans sold to unknown destinations. Soybean futures trending higher early on this Tuesday. U.S. winter wheat conditions worsened last week, according to USDA's latest weekly crop progress report. Winter wheat rated only 30% in good to excellent shape, down two points from a week ago. 35% of the crop said to be poor to very poor. USDA will release its latest crop production and world agricultural supply and demand estimates at 11 central time on Tuesday. In the outside markets, stocks opening higher on Wall Street as investors were encouraged to see conciliatory remarks from China's leader over trade and livestock futures bouncing at the opening bell following stocks higher as well. In soybean futures, an hour into the trading day, five to eight cents higher. Corn futures trending near unchanged, fractional changes. Minneapolis spring wheat steady to a penny and a half Lower penny and a fraction higher in Chicago wheat, fraction higher in Kansas City wheat an hour into the trading day. Livestock ranges at the Merck in feeder cattle, $1.07 to $1.27 higher. Live cattle, $60 to $1.10 better. We're waiting on cash cattle activity in the central and southern plains. Beef cutouts being called mixed on this Tuesday. Lean hog futures, $35 to $1.35 higher. Outside markets, the Dow. 400 points higher. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. I mentioned I'm in Batavia, Illinois. Uh, we're taping uh, this week in agribusiness for this coming weekend. Uh, and our, our guest uh, on this week in agribusiness is Ray Brownfield 
uh, with Land Pro LLC. So I asked him to sit in with me here on Adams on Agriculture as well. We're talking land values. Ray, uh, you've been uh, you've been watching this market for a long, long time. <laughs> um, what's your assessment of where we're at right now? You know everybody would suggest or think that with commodity prices having taken uh, a little bit of a decline uh, since 2012-13 when we had the big drought that you'd think land values would almost follow that but they have not it tells me there's still strong demand for good land out there um, you know it, it doesn't come available very often for people who want to add it to their portfolio or to the farmer who wants to add to their existing uh, portfolio or for the investor for that matter so we've actually seen it and in 2017 a recent survey by the Illinois Society of Professional Farm Managers and the Realtors Land Institute would suggest good quality land is zero to maybe one to two percent down which you know you think wow but that shows you demand now when you get into the lesser quality of the sea quality like the the tighter soils and things like that poor drainage it was down about five percent which probably makes some sense that's economically driven so it, it matters uh, you know what you see out there but i tell you mike we're we're seeing a, a pretty darn good market considering considering where commodity prices are right yeah, now. Yeah, that's really right. So, But, it, it, again, there's not a lot on the market. It really, you don't see a huge amount being uh, put to the marketplace. Uh, from time to time, we do see uh, states which do need to be settled. I would say probably the survey would suggest, and I agree to this, about 52%. Uh, or greater uh, uh, is the kind of land that goes on Mark Cuss family said you know we're getting older uh, it's time to divide the asset it's it's easier to divide money amongst the heirs than it is land sometimes it's really hard to carve it out and see who gets what what's the best piece of ground out there so we see that out there and I think we'll always see it as time goes on land will come on the market from estates to be settled a lot of the families don't want to do it but the families there's more than one brother or sister and they say well yeah I like my cash now and so uh, we see that in our business particularly and I think most of the industry see that the farmers, uh, probably 62% of the buyers today are farmers. And you say, well, why is that? And I say earlier, it just doesn't come on the market that often for them to add to their, their total portfolio. And with good estate planning, which I'm sure many of them are doing, they want it for their kids. They want it for their grandkids. That's what they do for a living. That's what they love is the land. And I'm so happy that's the way it is out there. That's, that's the right thing to do. We're talking with Ray Brownfield with Land Pro LLC. Um, so the, people always watch and, and see if there's a lot of outside money coming into the uh, ag land market. But it sounds like, as you say, it's pretty much still farmers buying. Yeah, it is. Um, local investors, which could be uh, people who are not farming, but in the kind of local community, about 5 or 6%, I think, is that level of people. About another 5 or 6% would be uh, investors from outside the area. And probably about 6%, I think, is institutional buyers, which would be pension funds, people out there that are saying, you know, it's a good diversification of our total millions of dollar portfolio that they work with some cases in billions and so it has to go someplace and they see land as another opportunity to diversify which i think has been probably a good thing for them it all still comes down to who wants a particular piece of land you get a track that uh, somebody's had their eye on for a long time or it's just in the right spot for a farmer who farming right well then then those those are the situations you hear about those really higher prices. <laughs> you do. Those always make the news. Uh, not always are they the true market, uh, but let's say it's an auction, and uh, let's say it's uh, wherever it can be, in central Illinois, it can be Iowa, whatever. 
and it's pretty good ground. Um, it may be not perfect, but so let's it's a 40 or an 80 or maybe 160, and there's maybe just a couple people on both sides and said, gosh, I've always wanted that. I remember my dad said, if that ever comes for sale, you buy it. It comes to auction. Well, a good auctioneer knows that. He's going to go out and touch base with those people and say, you need to be there. And at the day of that auction, one never knows what's going to happen. But we've seen ground go from 12 to 13 to 14 to 15, even in 2017 with commodity prices. It's long term, long, long term for those people. And they say, we'll never get this again. And dad or grandpa always said, get it. And so we are. Now, I'm not sure if the bidders who are local are going to be friends for a long period of time, but that sometimes happens in the market place out there so we hopefully they'll they'll see each other and say hi right here's the big question um if we have another year as it looks like challenging year on commodity prices if they stay low again what will that do to land prices you you've already said the land prices have held remarkably well for where yeah. commodity prices are but how long do you see that can hand you know go that way mike that's a great question we almost ask that every year for the last four or five years uh, how long can it sustain itself and it's amazingly it has in 2018, um, this is my prediction, which could be wrong. I think unless we have a drastic move downward in commodity prices, which we hope we don't, uh, I think it'll still remain relatively stable, maybe on the high quality again, maybe 1% to 2% down, but that's negligible. It really is. I still think there'll be bigger pressure on the poor quality ground, uh, the less productive drainage issues because it's all economic driven. Uh, the rents on those grounds cannot be as high as, as on the high quality. So I think that will continue to take a bigger hit. I was going to ask you about cash rents because in the last year or two, we know there have been some uh, some <laughs> tough conversations between the farmers and landlords about cash rents and trying to make some adjustments there. What have you seen as far as cash rents are concerned? Well, cash rents, again, uh, allude back to the drought year. In 2012 was kind of an anomaly in our market. Maybe it was good or maybe it was bad. Looking backwards, maybe it wasn't so good because it set a whole inflationary attitude towards land values to some degree and rents too. But with that said, uh, then they began to see some decline. Uh, we saw rents, uh, yeah, back in that period of time, somewhere over $400 an acre in some areas. And, uh, of course, they've declined. I think personally from my perspective on land that we work with and people I know out there, uh, we may start making adjustments on our cash rents on farms we manage even back in uh, 15 and 16 and even some degree 17 and bring them down to a more manageable level. Uh, for 18, uh, most of us stayed about the same. Keep, keeping saying, keeping in mind that, you know, we'll watch it again and see what happens for 19. But keeping in mind that we're really trying to improve that ground uh, if we can. A lot of us are trying to put drainage in to mitigate some of the risk with the with the operator so he can say, yeah, I can maybe do that a little better. And hoping the landowner understands you need to put something back in the land if you want your rent. You've got to do it. You can't just have a, a terribly droughty farm, or excuse me, a, a terribly wet farm and expect the high rent. It just doesn't work that way. You know, looking back over the last few years, when we had the big boom, the big run-up, and those record prices that were being uh, set, uh, you know, in quite a few areas, the fear was that when the commodity prices drop, we'd see a huge drop in those land prices too. So we've not seen that drop. That's that's quite a story here that it's been just kind of a softening and not a not a drop completely. It, it truly is, and it tells you if you're an investor in land, whether you're an owner operator, whether you're an outside investor, that land is a good long-term asset because it isn't so sensitive. 
to the income, they look at it from a long-term viewpoint, and hopefully that it'll, it'll work out. Because there's still, you know, there's slight decline going on right now. I would tell you in the next 10 or 15 years, you'll see uh, still appreciation factors. We always have, we always will. They're just they're not making any more of it. Says uh, I think Mark Twain said at one time. So I think it'll it'll always be a good asset. Uh, there's always demand out there. I would tell you, getting back to the uh, the institutional buyers, there's millions of dollars sitting on the sideline to come in. Uh, if the market gets to a point where it makes sense to them, they can get the return. That's a big issue. It's got to be return. It's got to be in that in the Midwest here. Three uh, percent is what they'd like to see. It's pretty hard to get right now. But if if they can get anywhere near that, they're blending that with a bigger portfolio of land nationwide. So they find the Midwest a really good place to be because it's pretty stable. There's not a lot of ups and downs compared to other areas of the, of the United States. And they're looking for good farmers like we have out there. I mean, they're they're not going to operate it themselves. So there's really an opportunity for the farmers well to work with. Some some of these funds and the funds put money back in the land that's the neat thing about that they'll tile it they'll they'll make it better and that's been our experience with them so it's not a bad thing frankly and so are they big investors no they're they're there i think they help put a bottom in the market perhaps if it ever gets to that point and so we'll have to see but uh no land values uh their land is land and it's it's always going to be i think a pretty good asset well you're mitch you mentioned they're not making more of it uh but we've seen a lot of it go out of production, urban sprawl, development, things like that. Is that still going on? And that, so at what kind of rate? It's slow. It, and, of course, I'm up here in the, in the Oswego, Naperville, a Plainfield area where it was really rampant uh, back when I was uh, doing a lot of work in that market, 1031 exchanges. And uh, it's really slowed down. There's a lot of ground yet that could be developed that's really near to towns that's already been uh, sewer and water and things are ready to go in there. But it's, it's just not – we just don't see the disappearance in this economy right now at all. Which – it wasn't that long ago we were really concerned about all the farmland we were losing to urban sprawl. I know, I know we were. And it someday may come back to that. One never knows, but I would tell you with high interest interest rates increasing, other things coming on the, the market, the board, I, I really don't see that happening at the, at the degree it was in the early 2000s. Uh, uh, the population is changing somewhat and where they want to live in that regard, but I, I just I just don't see a big disappearance for a long, long time. I want to wrap up on this, but all the talk now about tensions with China and concerns <laughs> there, and we know, and we talk about lower commodity prices and all that's related. You feel, though, that we're going to come out of all this with China even better than we were. You know, I think we could, and this, <laughs> who knows, I'll, I'll look pretty uh, good or pretty stupid in a couple <laughs> months, perhaps, on this, what I'm about to say, but I think we need to do this with China. I really do. It was time for them to understand uh, we're there, too. You can't run over us, folks. Uh, and uh, we've got some pretty strong leadership right now that's telling them that. Uh, we'll see. Uh, you see the recent bean markets. Yeah, they were down 40 cents last week when uh, the opening when this came out. But it quickly started recovering again. China's going to get soybeans. They need them. They have a huge population over there. They need protein. So where's it going to come from? Well, United States, Brazil, and Argentina. Argentina's down on their crop right now. Yeah, Brazil's up some. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's it's an evening up process. I really think that we're going to be better than we think when it's all said and done. Good to see you again. Thank you very much. That's Ray Brownfield with Land Pro LLC. You'll see him this weekend on This Week in Agribusiness with Max Armstrong and myself. Coming up next, the American Land Board has a goal of 2% demand growth yearly. We'll find out how they hope to achieve that. That's next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? 
because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I pressed the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her four-seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, 
Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. The American Lamb Board has a new long-range plan to try to uh, grow demand for their product. And the strategic objective of this plan is to increase demand for American lamb by 2% annually over the next five years. That would be a total demand growth of 10%. Now, we've seen per capita consumption of lamb in the U.S. remain steady over the past 10 years at approximately one pound per person per year, with nearly 20% of lamb consumption occurring during the spring holidays. We're going to talk about this with Jim Percival. He is the chairman of the American Lamb Board. Jim, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So this is uh, an aggressive plan for growth that you have. How, how do you, uh, uh, what is your objective here as far as how do you think you can achieve that? What is your plan? Well, we've got some core strategies. Obviously, the single most important thing is to grow that, grow that demand. And one of the ways we can do that is grow the awareness uh, of the American consumer for American lamb and work also with our, our partners, the chefs and, and our retailers. Uh, we want to promote and strengthen uh, the value proposition of American lamb. Uh, one of the things we know is that Americans really do like the taste uh, of American lamb better, so that's one of the things we want to do is to uh, grow that value proposition. Um, and one of the important things we think we can do is continue to improve the quality and consistency of American lamb by working with uh, some of our research partners, uh, some of the universities, and make sure that if you're in New York or San Francisco or anywhere in between, you're still getting that wonderful and fantastic uh, protein product. Uh, we want to support industry efforts. To increase the domestic supplies of lamb, one of the things that that most people do know is that we import uh, about 50% of the lamb that's consumed in the U.S. So we believe that the more uh, we can work with our producers, the more tools we can give them to increase that domestic supply. Uh, obviously, then the more it's going to get onto the table of the American consumer. And finally, we want to work with all of our partners and stakeholders, um, you know, to be able to to increase and, and bring awareness to all of those strategies. There is an educational element to this, Jim, because I, 
I'm sure there are people that are probably have tried lamb and maybe didn't have the best experience with it. We used to say, well, you have to know how to cook it and things like that. But you've come such a long ways now with the product and with the, the cuts that are available uh, now. Uh, uh, I know you you want people to give it another try, and, and, I, th- and I know you're confident they'll have a, a, a positive experience if they do. Absolutely. That's one of the things that uh, that we pride ourselves on. And one of the things that the Land Board is working very hard at, hard at is to make sure that lamb is approachable. You know, in the past, uh, you'd look at some of the, let's say, some of the magazines, and you'd have to add 12 spices and do it in a specific way. And what we're trying to do now is say, hey, you know what? You could make a lamb burger just like a hamburger and have a great, great and unique eating experience. Now, as far as availability, uh, I, I've never quite understood this. We, we produce lamb, what, in about every state here in the, in the United States, but yet so much of the lamb in the, in the market is uh, from other countries, especially like New Zealand. Why is that? Well, we produce lamb, you're correct. We produce lamb in all 50 of the United States, but there is a seasonality to American lamb. Obviously, um, the majority of the lambs are born in a specific time, uh, and then those lambs obviously hit the market at a specific time. So, uh, you know, the importers have, uh, you know, filled those gaps and there are times uh, that uh, you can, you know, you, you can't always get American lamb, but there's times it's more difficult than others. The other thing is uh, with the strength of the American dollar and some other things, uh, some of the imported lamb is uh, at times less expensive than American lamb, and some of the retailers are, are going to take advantage of that. So all these are part of the challenges I know that you hope to address uh, with your your new strategic plan. Uh, and when we, you know, when we look at where your demand has been the greatest, I guess what in the bigger cities on both coasts, uh, you're hoping to bring that towards the middle of the country, aren't you? Right. We uh, we have been able to very successfully have some target markets: um, Boston, Washington D.C., New York City. Seattle, San Francisco, um, Austin, Texas, uh, we have added, and now Denver, Colorado. Uh, We're working very closely uh, with some chefs and some other partners in Denver, and we are bringing that to the middle. Um, You know, one of the questions, you know, what you said earlier, one of the things is, can I always find lamb? And one of the things that we're most proud of is we are working very hard with our partners to make sure you can always find American lamb in in a grocery near you. So the bottom line is, Jim, we're going to be seeing and hearing more about lamb in the days ahead, aren't we? Absolutely. And and we're very, uh, you know, today, especially with the electronic and, and everybody you know, on Facebook and blogging and everything, we're working closely uh, with some partners on that too, so that uh, the that you know, if that is your media of choice, uh, you can always find out about American Lamb, regardless of, of where you're looking. 
Well, I know your peak time is around Easter and Passover, but uh, the message you're wanting to get out to, to consumers, you have all these delicious cuts, and they're available year-round. Absolutely, and uh, hopefully we can get this winter over with and get spring started. Uh, grilling season, that is a wonderful time uh, to, to try American lamb, uh, either chops or, like I talked a little bit about earlier, burgers. There are so many different cuts in so many different ways. Yeah, we're all out of time, but thanks a lot, and we encourage people to check it out. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Jim Percival, chairman of the American Lamb Board, joining us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everyone.